0: Scene 10, The Facets of Life, Tina Leonard. Genie Convention. Hi, we're here at the Genie Convention again. Joshua's pin <laughs> camp. This
1: guy is Jason Winning. I don't <laughs> know
0: why we even do this. I don't even know why either, but... And uh, Miss Tina. Yes. So, uh, we always ask, how are you doing today? I'm
2: doing fine. Really great. I feel really privileged to be part of this. Oh, no, nice. thank, thank you. you. Thank you. No, I mean, this... The whole thing. The whole <laughs> thing. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean. The genie
0: convention no,
2: no, yeah, yeah. thing <laughs> that we're doing right a Little
0: now. extra added. Them. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Very cool. <laughs> um, so really, how did you get your start into performing? Performing. Yeah, just performing. I'm not gonna section it down, just in the wide.
2: Right. Um, I think I probably started like a lot of magicians. The whole shy thing, and you know, you want attention, but you don't really know how to get it. So you work on different stuff until finally, you come busting out and doing something. In my case, uh, my first experience with performing was uh, playing the electric guitar. Oh, wow. Uh, I just didn't know why. I just really liked playing it. And somehow word got out in the high school that I was in that I was doing that. And one of the cool girls in high school actually talked to me, which I was shocked. And the reason was that she wanted to start an all-girls rock and roll band. And would I join the band, and I couldn't believe it, people were talking to me and And I realized, hey, there's no other girls playing electric guitar around here. So maybe that was it. So that gave me the encouragement. That did not last a long time. But it really taught me about that maybe I could be a performer. I just didn't know what yet. So that kind of my whole thing about performing went in and out. I went to secretarial school after that. And then I think what really got me going was um, seeing, well, let me go back a little bit. When I was 12 years old, I'd seen Marcel Marceau perform. And that just really got to me. The whole, the way he could move, the way he could express himself without words, the whole, you know, creating illusions without anything. Um, I was and always will be a minimalist, so that really appealed to me. And uh, at that time, when I was 12, I would just go home and practice what what I saw him do, but that kind of went away. Then when I was in my mid-20s, kind of in the middle of still being a guitarist, by then I was a classical guitarist, I saw Robert Shields at the Renaissance Fair in, in L.A., and that was like a religious experience. I mean, seeing him made me say, that is what I need, that's what I've been needing to do my whole life. The Marceau thing, it was kind of a little thing in that in my mind that stayed, and I just followed him around all day, and by the end of the day, I said, this is what I've got to do. I was really lucky to find a really good mime teacher, and it just all kind of happened. We, we formed a mime company together, and Did pretty well with that. I was back on, literally back on the streets a year after I'd seen him because the whole thing was exciting that not only could you really uh, communicate with people without words, but you can make money right there. You know, the the, the coins would come. Still coins back then. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of quarters on Monday mornings. (laughs) Walking into the bank. Oh, you broke your piggy bank again. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: So, uh, Anyway, it just really—it just it just felt right, and uh, that was my thing. That's when I really sealed in being a performer, because after being in the street, and after doing the LA Mime Company, things just started happening for me. And, you know, I guess it was something I could do. Um, and then that led me going a visit to the Magic Castle was actually the, the, my way into magic because I had no interest in magic, and I'm still—I don't think of myself as a magician. I use magic as a way to communicate. But I didn't ever think about it at all when I was a kid. And not until that day that I went to the Magic Castle and realized that if I wanted to work there, I'd have to be a magician.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so the only logical thing was to find ways, because I thought, well, mime is magic, it's illusion, so what's the difference? You're just not holding props. So I just figured out a few props that would kind of play into what I was doing as a mime.
0: Right you know, was it. that kind of the creation of that? The acts that you do with the, the one
2: with, that the I, the, I did, I was when, when I and... no, no, that that came way later, a good 10 years after that. Uh, because my character on the street was like a raggedy Ann doll, <laughs> which is perfect because I was small, I was vulnerable looking. <laughs> that's my key, I'm vulnerable. <laughs> and no, I mean, we all have our little hooks, and I have to say that that's what mine is, and uh. I could flop around. I was really flexible, so it all kind of made sense. It makes more sense now that I look back than it did at the time. At the time, I didn't understand it. Now I, I think a lot about it. I go, Oh, now I know why I did that. <laughs> so I had this doll character, and I just threw some uh, magic into that. So my first magic act was my mime act with some um, magic effects thrown in, just enough to get me to pass the test to
1: get right. It again. Right.
2: So that that happened, but I was already in my twenties. I was almost I was thirty. I was actually 35 and still doing that doll act. And so that's kind of sent me into a panic. <laughs> like you know, what am I? This is my life? You know, I got what can I do and I didn't know what else to do. But then the mop man thing through a series of events and inspirations kind of worked itself in, but that was with a lot of soul searching, a lot of thinking, a lot of looking, trying to just figure it all out. And it finally did come together, but even once it came together, it was a long process of finding the right way to go with it. So, yeah.
0: And the, as far as there's, let's talk. Of, we'll talk about mom, man, for just a minute. Um, building the character that for that scene um, is that Tina Leonard, or did, was that a, a specific character?
2: Well, it's interesting that um, I've, I've been working on this um, theory that I. Ta- I guess you didn't. I, w- I was. Uh, I did my my talk here. You weren't there. Okay. Oh, so, no, I kind of talked about that because. Uh, I'll elaborate a little bit there. I'm really fascinated by the idea of facets, people's facets. We all, you know, we say we are us, but we are multifaceted. And I've seen extreme cases where you know somebody who's, like, really quiet and withdrawn, and then when they get on stage, you're this whole other thing. And you think, how can that quiet person play this wild character? That wild character is a facet of who that quiet person is. It's the character that they share with themselves when they're alone. And, um, then finally they just come busting out with it. Like I, I have this new term it's called introverts gone wild.
1: Just like, <laughs> I've decided I
2: am. Right. <laughs> so basically that's what it is. When you see someone do a character that seems completely irrelevant to the person that you know, um, you know, that kind of, it that's really expensive. what it is. Cause we have it in us. Absolutely. And if you try to be a character, if you go, you see like, Oh, tr- I like Charlie Chapman. I want to be like Charlie Chapman. Or I like Steve Martin. I'm in any of any era. Right. If you say, if you try to copy somebody, it's, the audience doesn't know why, but they, you just don't hook them in. Because the audiences, we all have this instinctive thing, you know, we understand breath, even if we don't see it. We understand depth. And any hilariously funny person, Robin Williams comes to my mind. is so deep. And it's that depth that you feel, but you can't really say, oh yeah, it's because he's deep that he makes me laugh. So... Uh, I'm always looking for that part of me and of anyone else that I'm interested. You know, I get very fascinated by people that, that have this duality, what seems like a duality, but it really isn't. It's just one side uh, coming out. Sure, uh, Absolutely.
0: Do you have, um, it, talking of mimes, I think you're really the first person we've spoken to that's really into the mime. And yeah, that, the, that's I mean, my,
2: that was my, fo- music was my first focus. I always assumed I'd be a musician. And somehow the mime, I just did better. You know, I was going to be a guitarist, but I knew I was not going to be a concert guitarist. I knew that right from the beginning. Do
0: you feel like the music helps the mime? Oh, it's absolutely. I'm,
2: my, my brain, I'm in, deep down inside, I'm a musician. I mean, oh. you're born that way. It's not, you know, there are musicians that can play really well, technically, but they, they're, they're not inside. Inside, I am a musician. There's always a melody in my mind when I perform. There's music, whether, and I always use music when I perform anyway. But um, So musician first and then mime, and then magic is just a, a way to enhance those two.
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of, of people studying mime and putting it towards their magic. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it does help you.
2: Yeah.
0: How did it, because you're coming from mime going into magic. Yeah. Do you, let me try to word this question, is how did the mime help you in magic?
2: Well, the mime is what I, as I said, uh, I could not, although the way, what I do tonight is, I don't know if you're you going to see the show tonight. I don't, um, don't
0: know if are able to make it tonight.
2: If you don't know what I do, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Interviews, but don't see them. Just interview them. Right. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they do as long. Okay. Um, so, uh, no, what I do tonight is not, I'm doing, not, I'm not doing the Motman tonight. I'm doing a thing with a very simple, I call it simply magic because I do a thing with a scarf and a thing with two rings. So it's very magic oriented, but it comes from the music and the mind, from the movement. What I do is always music and movement. The magic, as I just said a minute earlier, I'm not a magician in that sense. I don't think, oh, I got this great trick I got to do. What I do is I have this feeling I want to express what tools are going to work for me. I like the soft feeling of a scarf, the feeling of the rings. I just like that whole roundness of them, this whole shapes. I find fascinating. So how can I work with those shapes? Yeah, magic is the final definition, but to me it's shapes uh, coming together, going apart. And all the body, the, the body is part of the performance to me, uh, an silent performance equal value to body, music, and props. They all there's not, there shouldn't be one that's less important than the other because it's it's a three, it's a, a trio of communication between the three, and that's what makes it a solid piece. As opposed to here's a trick, you know, I could do right. something you can't do, you
1: know, right. aren't I clever? Right. Yeah, well, it's a different, it's an interesting approach that you're looking at it from a shape, from texture. Oh, yeah, more of an emotional attachment yeah. to. Yeah. The thing in a magician's mind, we're yeah. looking at it like a puzzle type of thing. Right.
2: And and I admire I'm not a puzzle person. I mean I don't I don't really want to anybody I don't want to do something that you go, oh my god, how do you do that? I wanna communicate something and I think that if if a a performance affects us emotionally, we're gonna remember it a lot longer than we are just, you know, seeing a, a trick that fooled us. Although so if we get fooled, yeah, we remember that because it messed with our brains. So a really good trick that'll fool you. And it doesn't sometimes even matter how it's presented. It'll fool you. But I'm, I'm not that way. I don't really want to fool you. I just want you to feel something right. within yourself. Sure. So that's you know how I approach it.
0: As far as a performance strategy, before you step on stage, is there anything that you do to just get into your mindset? Or you just instantly walk out and you're good? No, no,
2: I don't just... It depends. You know, my, man I've been doing for almost 30 years. And, um... What I do with, I'll tell you what I do with Motman because that's kind of what I'm most known for. Now, what I do now, uh, I get, what I say? I I don't get, the only thing I get nervous about is in a new place, if the lights might not work and all this, I try to get a little bit nervous because if I get too calm, like if I'm working in a long, like a a month long show or something where I'm performing every night, that's really dangerous because you get complacent. You start, I start thinking about what I'm going to be doing later and that's not fair to the audience. So I believe that the audience, I owe the audience to experience. It's such a, it's an emotional piece, and I owe them um, that, that feeling. So it is my responsibility. And sometimes if it's in a long run, I have to really force it. If it's um, on a one-time thing, then um, I, I focus a lot on the breathing to keep the timing straight. Uh, but in terms of I mean, you're asking me what I do before, uh, I take a few deep breaths. I I incessantly fuss with my props to make sure everything's in place over and over and over. Um, and, you know, once in a while I'll think, oh, no, no, it's not. You know, it's like, I'll be here. Oh, no, that's for the other act. I don't have to worry. You know, it's like, I get a little confused. Where, oh, no, that the other act, I have something you know, in my pocket or whatever, you know. I don't have pockets, but I mean, in, in whatever, I, wherever I put things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I believe that, that it's just really nice to have this real quiet moment. And that's why you have never... Perform- non-performers don't know this and they'll start asking you a question just before you go on stage. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, it's like, especially if somebody comes up to you, hey, I want to show you this trick I'm working on. And I'm like, it happens because they, they don't understand. It's that right. the moment before and the moment after. You never say anything to anybody unless unless you tell them they're great. Right. You don't say a word for a good five minutes. And, and I learned this because when technicalities go wrong, our first instinct is, is to yell at whoever we think messed up, and that's wrong. Right. And I've seen performers do that, yelling at the crew. And sure, sure. I'm thinking, I know the crew works really hard, mistakes happen. Right. But that wasn't your question. <laughs> um,
1: do you feel like stepping when you're getting into a costume, mm-hmm. right? Do you feel like that's almost part of the ritual where you're becoming Completely at- part of
2: the ritual. Yeah, I love that part yeah. because I'm very meticulously putting everything where it is. That is preparation. Sure. And I prepare a few things ahead of time just to make sure nothing's broken ahead of time. But, yeah, it's a very, you know, way, the way I put on the hat, the way I put on the glasses and the coat, and the way I putz around. Yeah, that's like, okay, I'm ready. And then I know that once that's done, I'm out there. And it's interesting. I heard an, uh, a, rock, a rock guitarist say this once. He said it's the only time he can really relax is when he's on stage because that's when we know that that's where we're supposed to be. We know what to do we know how it's going to end and it's kind of the rest of our lives you're like oh should I go here do I need to do this you know do I all that so it's that one moment of calm which right. if you can get to that is pretty lovely yeah. but you don't want too much of it <laughs> no you don't want to get complacent you want to sure, be absolutely. want to be in control but not ever think that you know exactly what you're doing
1: right yeah, yeah. totally yeah, i've i've experienced similar moments where you're in a long run. I used to perform at Disney doing four oh, shows a night. What'd you do? Uh, I was a magician. Oh, I, I had a character act. Uh-huh. it was a British magician. Oh, neat. Accent, costume, uh-huh. the whole yeah, thing. But, yeah. you know, you're doing it week in and week out you get to points where you sort of snap back in and, like, all of a sudden you find yourself in front of 150 people yeah. because you've just done it so much. Yeah, and, you have to
2: be aware of that. And yeah. I have this theory now about Mop Man is that Actually, something Steve. Jobs, I heard Steve Jobs say in that famous speech that he gave, that commencement speech. He says that he had heard somebody say that uh, if you live each day as if it were your last day, one day you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> and my take on that is if I do this act, if, if how how do I word it? But um, oh, I can't remember how I word it. I used to say, used to say it all the time. And now I can't remember. If I do my act as if it was the last time I'm doing it, one day I'll be right. I won't know when that last time will be, but I want my last time that I do that act to be the best one I've ever done. So uh, there's always room for improvement. There's, uh, I owe it to these people that have probably paid money that are staying there staring at me. I owe them that because it's their time. And so I really try to keep that going. and you know, I really try to stay in the story, you know, no matter what kind of a mood I am. But oh, I want to get back because I, 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 uh, I started talking about facets and you said about the character, which is my character and all that. I figured out that Mop Man is a whole range of who I am. The person that's in glasses and a hat that doesn't want anybody to see them. And then when I bust out in that evening gown, I'm like, here I am, take me or leave me, you know. <laughs> so it's a, it's it's like a whole it's every side of me is in that and that's why that's I think why people feel that it. is because they know that I'm not just doing a bunch of tricks and you know, I'm really and also I'm dealing with their emotions about, you know, falling in love and all the little intricacies that in, that are involved in falling in love and finally you do fall in love, it's sort of a happy ending. It gives you that.
0: I, I consider the mom to be a very uh, it's a theatrical show. It's a story. Is there Has anything changed from that? I mean, from your original performance? Yeah, I mean, Oh, yeah. Is it adapting, or is it...
2: Yeah, not a huge amount. After 28 years, um, not a lot of changes. But that's funny that uh, sometimes people will say, oh, you made a lot of changes in your act. And I went, I have? And they say, yeah, I saw you on YouTube. And, you know, YouTube, Some people have YouTube links that are 28 years old from when I first started doing it. And I thought, yeah, it has changed. And thankfully, because most of those changes are suggestions, you know, from the audience. They'll say, oh, what if you do this? What if you do, you know, what if this happens or what if that or what if, you know, it's all ideas that have been thrown at me over the years. So that's something to be really grateful for, to to know that people have ideas that I wouldn't have thought of while I was working on it. And I mean, a lot of people helped me while I was developing it, but giving it all that flight time and be having people in the audience that are watching that somehow wish they'd seen me do something. And then a lot of times it's a practical idea. A lot of times it isn't. So, you know, some people have said, oh, what if the guy comes to life at the end? And, yeah, I can see somebody wanting to see that, but then what would be the point? You know, using all that technique, I might as well have a guy there doing all that and you know, paying him and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it did evolve. Not as much as I probably would have wanted it to. There's still little things in there that I think, you know, I, that could be better, but... I've been trying to move on from that act forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um,
1: to like completely retire it. Well,
2: I, I I did say that about 10 years ago. I said, that's it. I'm, you know, I was, I wasn't going to burn my props. That seemed a little extreme, (laughs) but no, you feel like it. You go, sometimes, right. This thing keeps, it keeps haunting me. I know. Let him go off on his own, whatever. Um, and, I, I, no, and, and I was having a hard time. I was in Germany for a couple of months, and the act just wasn't going over. And I just said, okay, the audience is telling me. Just like with the other character that I did, the, the Raggedy Ann doll, there was a time, finally, that that act was just not playing. And it's probably because my heart left it. And I was feeling that 10 years ago. But uh, I really did commit to saying, okay, that's I'm done. I, I really should. I, it's time for me to quit doing that. My heart's not in it. The audience's heart isn't in it. That's it. But I had a few contracts that I needed to complete. And for some reason, those next few contracts are so much fun. The audience was so great. And I came to a few more revelations. And I go, you know, maybe I shouldn't put an end date on it. And so I have. I, you know, I'm the act that I'm doing tonight, I'd rather do because it's more of a challenge to me. And I get to move on Motman. Man. I'm, like, really stuck in that one place. And I just like to, I like to just move around the stage. So... I prefer doing the other act, it just doesn't have the impact that Montman did. Right
0: on. Right. For sure. You have to deal with that. it seems like at the end of Montman you always just see when you come out you're like, Oh, I'm free, I can move around. Yeah, and
2: I know. And like, then I'm done. It's like I gotta go home. No, that always bothered me. I go, Okay, now I'm dressed up for an act, now what do I
1: do? Yeah, <laughs> <And laughs> you know,
2: that was like about ten years worth of going, Okay, what uh, how can I what can I do once I've done this? Um, so that's
1: what it is. Do you have other artistic expressions outside of performing? Do you do you still play music? Do you?
2: I play the harp now. Yeah, I switched over to harp uh, a number of years ago. So I do play that here and there. Um, But I really, about five years, four years ago now, I really got into yoga. That was really, I did that because my body was feeling a little stiff and my back was bothering me, and that inspired me so much that I teach yoga now. I took took full training, so that's really what I want to do now. I get a lot of satisfaction from helping people feel good about their bodies. I think that's kind of, I've always been that way. Now I have the tools to do it. So it's working out pretty well for me now. That's a really awesome.
1: That's an interesting expression. Yoga
2: is. Well, it's it's getting familiar with your body and really, you know, respecting it. Loving to live in your body, so to speak. So it's been really good. I love practicing and I love teaching. So that's kind of, and that's something I can do. I don't really want to perform when I'm 90. You know, that's kind of. But I still want to teach yoga when I'm 90, I can do that. Right on. Yeah,
1: Especially yeah, yeah. my
2: generation. We're all needing it now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if the younger generations do. No,
2: but, you know, like I'm, I want to take care <laughs> yeah, of the boomers. I need yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and it, it, it benefits anybody. And it, oh, yeah. it's not a, it's not like a competition or anything that you're good at. It's not that at all. It's very, very yeah, it's it's, it's lovely and, and I really do love it. So that's where my focus is now. I don't, and I kind of have to, I've learned over the years to just let it come into me. I mean, I'm looking always for, for the next inspiration. But I don't have a huge need to perform. You know, I, I like it. I appreciate it. I'm very grateful. I'm really lucky. But I think to be a, a strong performer, you've got to have a really strong drive because it's hard. You know, it's hard to get up there in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, and if you don't, if it's not in you, then it's that much harder and then you cheat them and anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah. Your, your audience senses it. You know yeah. it.
2: Not right away, but by the time they sense it, you shouldn't have done it. <laughs>
1: <Very> <laughs> yeah,
2: but it's lovely. I mean, I just feel really fortunate that uh, that I've not had to have a job since I was 19 years old. You know, a job where I had to go to work every day. That was the last time I had a job. Maybe 20. I was 20. Um, and um, to get paid to express myself that I couldn't ask for a greater gift. Right. Most people work because they they, you know, got an answer to a, jo- a boss they hate. And I'm thinking... People give me money to be myself. That is like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. that's, I'm, as much as I grouse sometimes about wishing I was better, I go, well, I should be grateful for what I have. No,
1: that's a good lesson. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a really good lesson. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you a question, and it just jumped straight out of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, dang. Something you said reminded me. Remember it? do you have anything to- I know
0: like she was covering most of it when she's when, when you were talking it's like yeah, I just kind of opened it up and I was just like check check oh
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I got it, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it it's <laughs> funny how that works out because people will it was um the best thing was John Egan was here and we, we I, love John. I love him I love
2: him too
0: and we, we were interviewing John and I we had we had a long list for him because we you know we know him really we had certain things yeah. we wanted to talk about yeah and before I could even ask the question he had segued into it I'm like yeah, that usually, he basically yeah. read the question as he's talking. I'm like, did you look at this? Yeah, uh, we yeah. just wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just segued on and did yeah. What about
1: um, advice, knowing what you know now mm-hmm. from your experience?
2: Yeah.
1: What advice would you give to a younger you? I
2: would, yes, I would. I have strong things about that. And this, it's just evolved over the years. Sure. But first, I would have said follow your passion no matter what. If even if it, you end up living in a gutter, stay with it. I'm a little more practical now. I say, still do that, but learn an employable skill. Because we don't want to depend, we don't want to be these artistes that feel that we're too good to, 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 to have to work. And an artist is a servant. We are the most noble way we can serve people is by being artists. But it doesn't always work out exactly the way you planned. You're, you know, I did not. This isn't really what I planned exactly, but you know, that's just what's going to happen. So, but, uh, if you are one of those people that just find yourself working by yourself, creating little characters in your room and just tinkering, know that that can be a good thing, but you have to make it a good thing. You can't tinker forever. You can't play in your room forever. You can't do card flourishes forever. You can, but it would be kind of nice if you could do them to the point that you could share them with other people, and other people would pay you, so you wouldn't have to get a job. Right. So I do what I do, so I don't have to get a job. So I say, keep keep doing all these things that other people think are weird, as long as they're legal and as you know, like, it's just, you know, I mean, do, there's limits, but uh, really follow Mike Rowe. Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah. That he he gave a TED talk, which I'm not don't, I don't remember if I saw, but he said right. so, you know because he was talking about all this follow your passion thing. Everybody says, oh, you know, if you dream it, it will happen, you know, I'm not a motivational speaker ever. I don't say that you can have, you know, if you really want, it, if you really wish for it, you'll get it. That's not true. You're not going to get it. But as he said, he said, uh, you can't always follow your passion, but you must put passion in everything you do. So even if it's not exactly what you were looking for, I mean, I wanted to be a great concert guitarist and I wanted to be more more so um, you know, I mean, and I wanted to be Lily Tomlin, who was my hero then. I wanted to be able to do a one-woman show like she did, or, or Whippy Goldberg when she did her Broadway show. That's, I said, what I wanted, ideally. You know, a one-woman show on Broadway, yeah, I would like that. But I knew, or as the years went by, that that wasn't going to happen, partially because I wasn't that driven. So what I would say to somebody then is stay passionate. If you don't have a passion for something, or if you feel that somebody's trying to quell your passion saying, oh, this is just a phase, you'll get over it, you know, get a real job, be a doctor. Listen, but keep that little secret. It's that little bug that we're born with, and you don't want to kill the bug. You want to keep it, but you just not might be able to nurture that bug in your home. But you do nurture it. So nurture the bug, um, but learn something that you could actually, you could be employable to support the habit if it needs to go into
1: that. Sure, sure, sure. That's great advice. Yeah,
2: I mean, I really admire when I see little kids, you know, really getting into this whole sort of focus. It's a lot of people don't have focus, and that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Anything Anything else? No. I I think you hit everything. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Let me know how it goes.
1: Yeah, so we should have this. Um, We plan on having it done by. uh, October 2016 is what we're shooting yeah. for yeah um books <laughs> it take longer you know we're so do you have a
2: publisher are you, you not, know like, we, we haven't gotten is
0: it going to be the magic world you know it's kind of, the way that we kind of looked at it <laughs>